Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all once again for worship. Uh, before we kind of get into this morning's message and really looking and continuing on in this series, I wanted to talk a little bit about the launch of our small groups, just briefly. And so, as as leaders, uh, we as as leaders in Orange Coast Community Church, we are really persuaded that for your spiritual growth, something like a small group is essential for your growth. It's, it's not optional, really, to be um, growing and to be just disconnected from some form of relational community with others. And so the structure is not so much the issue as the fact that we just need to do life together with other people. We need to be in fellowship and community with people who are trying to walk with God, if that's what we've chosen to do. The history of of the Christian church really has had all kinds of forms of togetherness. And so it's not, again, it's not about the specific way that we do it or the specific form of doing small group life, but it really is about people gathering regularly for the sake of loving one another, caring for one another, Building up one another, helping each other through hard times. And so this idea of small groups that Scott was mentioning and that we're going to be promoting over the next few weeks is really critical for for all of our growth. And so, so much of the ministry that happens in this church happens through small groups. And so Sunday morning is just a a, a small slice of what happens um, in the life of our church. Now, the the overseers, the, the pastors like... Myself, our role is to protect, it is to feed, it is to guide the flock in order to do ministry. If you look at this verse up here, it's Ephesians chapter 4. It says in verse 11, and, and God, or in He, speaking of Christ giving gifts, it says, And He gave gifts, or I'm sorry, and He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And he, He's describing the different kind of leader roles in the church. Some have the, the role of apostleship, which is people who are sent out. They're messengers and prophets or the spokesmen. Then there's, he says, the evangelists. Those are the ones who bring the gospel. They bring the good news. And there's the shepherds, the teachers. That's really two characteristics probably of the same person who's using those gifts to pastor the local church. But then verse 12, look at this. It says, these gifts, basically these, these roles, these leaders... What they're doing is they're equipping, these gifts are given to equip the, the saints, to equip the church basically for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So the leader's role, and my, my, my job and my role as pastor here and as others that, that play that role of, of you know, ministry staff, pastoral staff, advisory leaders, our role is to really help build up the body here. We want to build up the body so that the front line of ministry can just be happening in, in real life. We want to equip you so that you're ministering to one another. And, and what that really you know, looks like, the picture is we want to see people using their God-given gifts to minister, to serve one another. Look at Romans 12. Romans 12, he writes this. Paul writes, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. That's very true. You all have very different Gifts. You have a unique gift mix that you possess. And he says, so we, though many, we are one, in, we are one body in Christ. 
individually or members of one another. There's this sense in this passage of interdependency in, in one another. Paul, he, he, he writes in another place in the, in the book of Corinthians that, that one part of the body can't say to another part, hey, we don't need you. You know, it, it would be, if you think about the physical body that you have, okay, if, you know, your hand's not going to talk to your foot and say, hey, we don't really need you, and these body parts are going to talk to each other and say, we don't need you, I'm more important, you're less important. Honestly, if, if something were to happen to my, to my hand, the rest of my body's going to want to respond to that physical problem in my hand. Everything's going to be desiring that this hand becomes healthy. And that is very true in the body of Christ. You're, you're a part of the body. You have a specific wiring, a mix of gifts, spiritual gifts. You have some abilities, you know, and, 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 and God actually really desires that you function in a healthy way as part of this church. And you, we struggle many times when, when there's disconnection in the body. We struggle to grow. Our body, our, our church family, our church family is less healthy um, when there's more attention just given to what happens here on Sunday. Because, now this is important, but there's more that goes on in this church than just, than just this morning. Verse 6, look at what verse 6 says. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. He's talking about, let's use our gifts. If it's prophecy... So basically, the one who brings God's word, you know, the one who, who brings God's message to comfort people, to encourage people, that's the, the gift of prophecy. Or verse 7, if service in our serving. You know, if your gift is serving, there's things that need attention. There's people that need ministering to and attending upon. You know, use that gift. The one who teaches in his teaching, those, that, those of you that have gifts of teaching, you know, you're able to really provide instruction. You're able to bring clarity and focus. You can, you can break things down. You can connect the dots. Some people really have that gift. That really helps the body grow and function well. It goes on, verse 8 says, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. Exhort, exhortation is the idea of encouragement, comfort. Some of you have that gift where you just know the fitting word to really just respond to a hurting person or, or to bring, uh, a word of comfort, word of encouragement to a group. The one who contributes, he says, in generosity. Some people just have the gift of giving. And if you're that person, you know, you're not the one who skims. You're the one who just gives really generously and in an abundance. The one who leads with zeal. There's this diligent eagerness that goes into that leader gift there. So go ahead. Set, set, we want to see that type of person being um, equipped and trained and then released to, to lead people and set direction for small groups of people and teams that need leadership. Then it says, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So there's all these different gifts. Whatever your gift is, we want you to be exercising. We want you to be learning about it. We want you to be trained and understanding what the Bible says about that area. But then we want you to be exercising it faithfully somewhere in the body. Now, in case you're wondering, like, is it just a free-for-all and I just decide I'm this gift and I get to do that and I should be doing that. We use a process of testing leaders and and testing people before they are given responsibility over people. We we take a passage in Luke 16, chapter chapter 16, verses 10 through 12, which talks about being faithful in the little things, being faithful to steward things, and then being faithful to serve under another leader and help their ministry go well. So we do a testing process before we just release people into all of the roles in church life. But but the point being. 
We want you to be using your gifts. We want you to discover them. We actually have a class called 301 where we are trying to help people better understand their gifts and discover what, how God has wired you. And so uh, there, there are only three full-time ministers here in our church. There's just three of us. And when you're sick and, and hurting and recovering or life is just broken for you, there really aren't enough full-time ministers to provide the level of care that you will likely feel like you need in those moments. And if your idea is that a pastor or the pastor is the only one who should be doing all the caring, then you're going to be regularly disappointed in church life. Because there's just a few of us. It's just impossible for us to do that. And the reality is the verse says that our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're to be equipping the body so that when people are broken and hurting and struggling and frustrated and and feeling hopeless, that the body is caring because they've been equipped to do that. And so there are dozens of trained leaders and others with specific gifts who come alongside people in small groups, in teams, and really care. And so we don't do small group life perfectly. We'll admit that. We don't do it perfectly. We're learning about this area. We're trying to improve in this. But we, we just really want you to experience life together. And so I just thought this morning as I was kind of prepping, I thought I'm, I'm going to preach a message about small groups and then I'll get into the message that I had prepared. Because this is really important to us, this whole area. And so... Uh, there's just limitations on what we can accomplish on a Sunday morning. And so the rest of the week, week, we want interaction to really reflect life-to-life togetherness community, that the type that you see laid out in the New Testament. So that's a, another small group, just uh, conversation. Well, it wasn't conversation. You are just listening to me. So. so let's pray. Father, before we go any further, we just ask that you'd guide the rest of our time protect the rest of our time we we need your help we need your holy spirit to guide and convict us lord show us things connect the dots in our hearts and lives things that we're really facing things that we need to see right now lord i pray you'd speak and really pinpoint things lord help us to see the connection between your word and in our lives lord and then help us to respond lord if we hear you saying something to us whether it's regarding small groups or serving in Sundays or putting something into practice today when we get home or whatever it is, we just invite you to, to speak to us and then help us to be responding to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I want to invite you to, to pull out this listening guide. And what we're doing is we're wrapping up this, well, we're not, not yet. We're beginning to wrap up this message series where we've been looking at our mental picture I keep saying not yet, huh? <laughs> we're, we're, we're wrapping up this, this series in the next two weeks, I'll say, on this, this mental picture of, of what, what does God want us to accomplish in the different areas of our life? How should that look? What is that picture? And we, we defined vision as you know, this mental picture of what God wants us to accomplish in life. If you get a clear vision in life, then you are guided to make the right kinds of choices every day. You have the motivation that you need. And today we're going to talk about that picture. Really, what's the picture that you have in your mind related to your ultimate hope? When you're dealing with fear, when you need someone to help you, what's the picture? How do you, how do you get the help that you really need when you're struggling? Now, we find ourselves in situations that they strike fear in our hearts, 
And if we have the right picture in our mind, we can know how to respond to the anxiety that wells up in us, the worry. And then we can put our hope in those things. But if we don't, we, we go looking for all sorts of hope in, in places that it's just not there. I want to show you a, a, a movie clip from Iron Man. You may have seen this superhero movie, Iron Man, one of the Marvel um, superheroes. And basically in this scene, there's a man and his family and these group of people who are totally in danger. And so Iron Man steps in. And I want you to look at how he helps the situation, okay? How does that fit in with this morning? <laughs> and I am too. You know, <laughs> with the superhero movie, you got a problem, and, and a superhero flies in and takes care of business. And so, when when we're battling things, it would be really nice if we had someone, quite, you know, that super, <laughs> who could just step in and help out. And I mean, that's a pretty cool scene in the first place, you know, to have the ability to just pinpoint that kind of accuracy to battle things. Wow. I need a glass of water here. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. Now, we can look to spouses to be that superhero, <laughs> to step in and just deal with it. We're having a rough day. We're, having a bad, we're in a bad spot. We, we might want a spouse to step in and be that super. Or it might be a friend, or it might be a parent, or a sibling, it might be even the government. We might expect that the government is going to step in and be the superhero and save our country, save the day. And there, where do you turn for help? That's the big question we're looking at this morning. Where do you turn for help? And we're going to just look at the early church and just see where did some of Jesus' followers turn to help when they were in a pinch. And I want to show you, just encourage you to pay special attention to um, how they look beyond the typical helpers in life, and they look, you know, they keep looking up to God. When we get in a scary situation, the big question for us really is, who, who's the hero in your rescue scene? Is it going to be the government? Is it the next president? We're certainly ramping up right now for an election year, and so there's all the the campaigning going on, and all the candidates are aiming to just get our attention and communicate. Here's what I'm going to do to really deal with all the problems that we're facing. Here's what I'm going to do to pull our country together, some of the scary things that we're facing. I mean, we, we're in a really, really challenging uh, 
day and age. We're, we're living in a time where there's all sorts of things changing culturally, and this is constantly happening through history, but we're facing some challenges as a Christian church, you know, to practice um, our beliefs openly, that religious freedom is, is uh, being challenged on a variety of levels. The economy is a challenge right now, obviously. We've been kind of the, the national debt just continues to um, spike to these record highs, and it goes up. I think we borrow like $2 billion a day or something like that. We keep going further into debt, $2 billion a day. And, and the stock market, you know, you read the papers, I'm sure, and it's it ain't good right now. And then there's ISIS. There's all these terrorist groups. And so with all of these things going on, when the election comes, I think we all kind of perk up and we're like, oh, man, we need the right person in office to deal with the problems. And so it's tempting to think and put in our mind a picture of hope with the leader of our country. It's tempting to think this, this next person or, you know, or a certain political party is hopefully going to solve the issues. And so the passage we're going to look at today, it kind of raises that issue of how do you move forward in a very hostile environment where there's lots of things to get frightened about. Do you trust in someone or do you you trust in God? And so there's this picture. We're going to look in Acts chapter 5, verse 26 through 32. And this this may hit you on different levels because when I talk about fear, we all deal with fear differently. You may not be that fearful of ISIS or you may not, the the stock market may not be impacting you at all right now in, in your reality, in the ways that you maybe are thinking. Uh, for you, you might be thinking about you might be single. And the thought right now is maybe you think, I want to be married. And so maybe the temptation is and the fear is to put hope into someone who would kind of come into your life and, and make things better. Or, or it may be that at work you're just in a difficult spot and, and maybe you're thinking, if I just had the right boss or, or in your current marriage, maybe it's not going well. And so you're thinking... Maybe if they would just improve, then this would all come together. So this this message really is about how do I choose faith in God over fear that can really grip my heart? Because again and again, this keeps coming up, that Christ's followers have to keep choosing faith over fear. They have to keep choosing that over and over and over again. And so what the stories in the Bible do is they draw our hearts giving us pictures of of what it looks like to choose to walk by faith. So Acts chapter 5 is a scenario where the early church was being harassed by the government, the governmental religious authorities. And so the situation was this, that the Romans occupied Jerusalem, but they allowed the Jews to, to really practice their religion openly, to have Jewish leadership, religious leadership. And so they held these certain religious leadership roles, and the Jewish leaders were held in really high regard. They even had their own security force, known as the Temple Guard. And so they could lead politically, religiously, but they had the power to back up what they needed to say and do. And so after Jesus' death and his resurrection, the Christian church began to spread from life to life. And there were some moments where there was like a grassroots movement among the early church where people were just sharing and the gospel was, the good news was spreading. And there was a, even a point where Peter, he stands up in a crowd and he preaches this powerful sermon and like 3,000 Jews, you know, 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ and respond. And the church just keeps spreading. And what's happening is Jesus' words, what we looked at last week was that Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And that was actually happening in Acts 5. You see 
the, the church is growing. He's building his church, and nothing is able to really slow it down. The boldness of those early Christians, you know, how, how could you be so bold as a Christian in a hostile environment where you had opposition from the Jews, there, there was opposition from the Romans, and so there was all sorts of hostility. But then you had these Christians that just kept advancing and advancing the cause of Christ. And so the big question is, what could be worth believing so deeply in that you would risk, your har- you know, risk harm and your safety? But as people heard more and more about Jesus, they were just um, compelled to embrace him and share him with others. And so the church just kept growing, 3,000 to 5,000 and on and on. And, and so Acts 5, there's this, you know, more people had come to Christ. And what was happening was the religious leaders were getting scared. The Jewish leaders thought, oh, we're losing our grip on the people here. We're losing our grip on our leadership here. Our jobs are on the line. Our, our future doesn't look very promising. Because this church just will not be silenced. The Christian church just would not be silenced. And so, in Acts chapter 5, we're going to look at this passage, beginning with verse 26. The church just grew, grew, grew. From house to house, and then even in these large gatherings, it would grow. And basically, there's this point where the Jews, um, you know, tried to slow this down at a certain point. They threw... The apostles in jail at a certain point. And then basically when the apostles are put in jail, an angel releases them basically. Comes, opens the doors and says, hey, get back out there and share with more people. Go tell others about what's going on. Now the Jewish leaders assumed that the apostles were still in prison when this was going on. And so they're gathering and they're talking about what's our strategy to contain the Christian church here. And as they're gathering to talk about their plan to contain it, one of the guards comes into their meeting and says, hey, the Christians, have, they're not in jail anymore. <laughs> in fact, they're out there in the street and they keep preaching about Jesus Christ. And so that's where we're picking up in the story. Acts chapter 5, verse 26 through 32. It says in verse 26, 26, Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force. So they went and find this group again, but they won't. Apply any force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people, okay? But they do recapture the Christians, okay? Verse 27 says, And when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, okay? In the name of Jesus, he's basically saying, Don't teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, Jesus had, you know, not far before, been crucified there. And so, he's saying, you're trying to, to, you know, say that we're guilty of his blood. But notice the high priest, he won't even use Jesus' name. Instead, he just refers to him as this, this name, this man. Verse 29 says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. You see, Christians are to obey the government unless, and there's teaching in the New Testament about obeying the laws and the leaders of this land, the government leaders, the ones that God has appointed, um, that all leaders are, you know, they're there because God put them there. So Christians, as as a Christ follower, you're to obey the government, you're to obey the law, unless it is a sin to do so. Now this verse, verse 29, where, where Peter and the apostles say, we must obey God rather than than men. This is a key verse for us. This is going to become more and more critical that we understand this principle. 
Because in this situation, the apostles declared that their total allegiance and their loyalty belonged to God. God was the highest authority for them. And there's, there's places where this is going to be tested in all of our lives. In our lifetime, you're going you're gonna to face this challenge where people are going to say, Look, quiet down. Quiet down. You're not able to do that anymore. And you're going to have to decide, are you going to obey the government authority if they're asking you to disobey what God has asked you to do, what He's clearly asked us to do? Look at verse 30. Now they start explaining why. They must obey God rather than men. They say, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. And God exalted him as his, at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And then he says, And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Jesus is our boss. They're saying, We must obey him. The apostles, they had a very clear picture in their mind of who Jesus was. It wasn't like someone told them, hey, let me tell you about this man, Jesus. No, they actually walked with him. They were involved in his ministry. They saw the miracles. And then they saw him willingly offer up his life to die for the sins of of people, for their own sins. And they committed their lives to follow him. They had a very clear picture in their mind of who Jesus was, what he had come to do. And they were taking ownership of their faith by really declaring their allegiance ultimately to him. So the big question is, where do you, where do you find that kind of boldness? Courage is really rooted in what we put our hope in. Courage is rooted in our hope. And as we face the many, many challenges in the world that we're, that we're facing, we can be frozen with fear over what the futures might hold for us or for our families. But our hope in Jesus Christ, it cannot be shaken. And that produces a loyalty in us. Even in the midst of fractured family life, political, you know, the political world that we're living in, the, just the culture wars, debt, all of these things, we don't have to give in to that fear. And those first century Christians, they displayed that. They were deeply loyal to Jesus. And they, and they weren't going to be silenced. Now, loyalty is what brings courage to remain true to the ultimate leader. It's our loyalty to him. Because we know that he is ultimately the one who's in charge. Now, this this phrase, if you look, it's in verse 31. It says on your listening guide, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. Those, those, their loyalty flowed from their gratitude to Jesus for forgiving them of their sins. But basically this idea of Jesus' Savior and leader, it's, He's the highest authority is what they're saying. He's our highest leader that we need to obey. They're saying, look, we know He is ultimately the one who's in charge because God has exalted Him at His right hand as the leader. And so whenever we find ourselves struggling in fear, we can bring into our mind these same stories that serve as sources of courage. In the moment, because Jesus' death, his resurrection, we can take courage in what he did. Or the apostles, their lives, their bold acts of faith, or even the modern day courageous acts of more mature believers in our lives or around the world. Those pictures can provide us vision and motivation to just keep moving forward and keep choosing faith and not fear. Now, they, they just were people that were not afraid of their own death. These apostles, they weren't afraid of dying because the picture that they kept in their mind 
was of a victorious Jesus who rose from the dead. He, he, was, he was killed, but then he was resurrected. And so their picture was not of a defeated Savior, but of a victorious one. And so just very quickly as I wrap up, there's just a few areas that I wanted to highlight where we would take courage in as we move forward. And just think about where, where is God asking me to move forward in, in faith rather than fear? The first one is maybe it's in your family life or in your close relationships. Are you, are you getting disappointed in people at home or in family life or in, amongst your close friends because they're not coming through for you in the way that you wish they had? Maybe you're putting too much hope possibly in them and maybe you're realizing that it's just they keep disappointing me. We can get frustrated and we can kind of take our ball and go home when, when family or close friends um, doesn't help us. We can make them pay. We can, we can, in order to get something out of them, we can make them really pay and kind of punish them. Maybe it's in, in your plans in life is another area. Take courage by choosing faith in your plans in life. We're just going to move quickly through this. There might be some plans that you had that just aren't working out. could be your job. could be you're frustrated with your career. Your advancement is not working the way it should. Again, if your picture of the future doesn't look like it's coming together, then it's tempting to just put trust in someone else or in yourself. But again, you can just trust God to put together what appears like a puzzle. To put your life together in a way that really glorifies Him and pleases Him. So, again, just maybe today it's just, I have a chance to trust God again with the plans that I'm trying to make for my life. Or it could be that this area of praying to God to battle against fear. There's all sorts of things that, that could throw you into fear. Create all sorts of anxiety. There was a man in the Bible named Job who, he experienced unthinkable calamity. He lost people that were precious to him. He was inflicted with just horrible sickness and pain. And he had some friends who were challenging, really, his faith in God. At a certain point, in the middle of this severe kind of tragedy, he was being told by, by people, just he was given bad advice. And here's something that Job said. This is Job 13:15. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. He's like, look, if this goes really bad... I, as long as I'm alive, I'm just going to put my hope in Him. Now, we're probably not facing death. But what are, you, what are you really afraid of in your life? Where do you have to battle fear in your life? Is it the fear of not being loved? Is it the fear of sickness? Is it, is it the fear of rejection? Is it the fear of bankruptcy? If the worst were to happen in your life, God could still come through. And give you, give you hope as you remain loyal to Him. When you're in trouble, who, who do you call first? Who do you turn to first? When you get the bill that you weren't expecting and is giant, who do you call? Who do you pick up the phone to dial? Is it mom? Is it the bank for another loan? See, I think part of this idea is that the disciples or the apostles, their ultimate loyalty was to Jesus, and so they cry out to Him, God, please help us. We're in a pinch here. We don't know what to do. And so retraining our reflexes is really important when we're stuck and when we're in fear. Just realizing, God, I just need to put my hope in God right here and right now. Last thing is, 
Take courage by just being willing to take a stand for the things that God directs. Our hope is in Jesus and His power to raise from the dead lives in a way that pleases Him. Those who have gone before us, they came to points in which they had to stand up in order to please God and choose loyalty even when it wasn't popular. Religious freedom for Christians who believe the Bible is is being threatened in our culture. Um, But some of the issues that we're being challenged in, I think it's going to develop deeper convictions. He's going to take Christians to deeper levels of faith and convictions as they choose to remain loyalty to their Lord, loyal to their Lord, and just obedient to His Word. But if our picture of hope is based on a God who is unlimited in His power, then really there's nothing that can happen to us in life that can overwhelm us or overtake us. I just want to encourage you, as you navigate through these times that you just keep considering, who's your ultimate loyalty going to go to? Who are you going to trust in? I want to invite our worship team to come back up to the stage. As I've been thinking about where this probably hits me most, it's probably currently in the area of parenting. There's a lot of uncertainty trying to raise children. You just don't know all of what's going to go down. And it's difficult. As I look at my kids and I see the issues they're facing and just the challenges of of what each year holds and what the next years may hold for them, I have to think about, wow, how how do I really get them ready for all this? And it's easy to just get stuck with fear out of what if, all the what ifs. And you just, you really don't know. We don't know all of what's going to happen. I don't have that kind of power to control my kids in that way. And so I have to trust the Lord with so many of the details. And I have to just keep choosing faith in these different areas. And I just want to encourage you, keep choosing faith. Keep choosing faith through the challenges. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, thank you for the picture that we get from the apostles, Lord, who who chose to obey you and remain loyal to you rather than giving in to fear, rather than succumbing to the pressure that was being placed upon them to just get in line and to be silent. And God, this is going to come up for us over and over to where there will be, we will be standing at crossroads and the issue will be loyalty. Are we going to remain loyal to you? will we cave into the pressure that we feel from the world or from those around us? Lord, I pray that you would instill in us hearts of of conviction. Lord, help us have courage as we move ahead. You know the the exact areas, Lord, where we need to choose faith over fear. So I pray you'd help us even today, Lord, as we battle. I ask you to bless the offering we're about to receive. We ask you to Continue to to stretch us and grow us in this area of generosity, Lord. Help us to to really see giving even as an act of faith, Lord. Thank you for the ways we've been able to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.